And I love that style, you know, very songwriter-oriented festival, but I, I always thought it'd be great to have something for, for country um, and country artists. And that was always deep-seated in the back of my head, but never knew how to go about doing it. Hey everyone, Nikki here and welcome to the Riff Yard. I'm joined by an incredible, incredible artist. Um, let me just read some caveats into uh, into the beginning of this. Okay, we have eight-time British Country Music Association Award winner. Okay, male vocalist of the year, three times on the bounce. <laughs> and in the last uh, 12 months, you've had three number one country singles in the UK. Gary Quinn, how the devil are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad, Nicky. How are you doing? I was, yeah, I was looking yeah. up on the shoulder there to see who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, thanks very much for giving up the time to uh, come along on uh, this uh, fine morning and uh, shoot the shit with uh, all things country and everything that you're doing, man. Appreciate not it. No, not a problem. Thanks for having us. No worries, dude. So, yeah, um, your last single, He's My Dad, Um that is one of the best written songs I've heard in a long time. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, just a very personal song. You know, we we, uh, we just talked a little there off off air about country music and and lyrically how how important that can be and and, and certainly is within country music. So to have something so personal to myself as a solo write as well. You know, I've done a lot of co-writes, mm-hmm. but it's a solo write for that one to to fly off in the way it did was really really special and. Um, I've got to play it in front of my dad at different shows and stuff, so it's always been pretty emotional as well. And yeah, uh, it yeah, it was a it was a good thing. I, I wrote it through COVID, so it was a good thing to come out of COVID, I suppose. But yeah, happily that uh, that's one that still goes down well at, at live shows. Yeah, it's a phenomenal song, man. Um, it caught you know it's one of these songs that um, caught me off guard, which is why I get very interested in trying to contact people like yourself and chat about it because as a songwriter myself. I find this stuff incredibly fascinating. Um, I did a master's thesis on it because <laughs> it just it blows my mind. So, um, yeah, the to be able to write a song like that and um, be so bold and brave with how it comes across as well, I applaud that. Because okay. even still in the country music scene, um, I'm always looking for, for me, when I hear country music, not the bro country stuff you know like when you get real down to the nitty-gritty of it i just love how hearing how honest writers can be and wearing that storyteller thing heart on their sleeve yeah is is incredible and you you just ticked all the boxes with it man so no wonder it's done as good as it has you know i think again it's you know country music itself one of the reasons i was drawn to it was the fact that it was lyrically strong i think it's a, the most lyrically strong genre out there in, in my opinion um and for a topic that i was writing about i have to do it justice and you know i, I always joke around with my mum saying like your song's coming <laughs> but, <laughs> but i'm a dad you know i'm not a mum so yeah. it was it was easier to write that song no, and, I, and I knew that I wanted to get from talking about my dad uh, in the first verse but actually you don't find that out until the, the chorus but I knew in the second verse I needed to tie that in as to what I was actually experiencing as a father and who I wanted to be and um, and then carry that through so and that's hard you know yeah. to sit down and and say right that's the idea but to squeeze that into three minutes to um to make it in in some way uh radio commercial friendly you know because i always have that in mind as well this mm-hmm. has to have to be relatable to me it has to be relatable to others when they hear it um because you can get too personal and it just yeah. be relevant to you so that's what i was happy about you know i love that challenge of saying look this is the challenge here is trying to get that square peg into a round hole but these are the tools you've got to use to make it happen and some people shy away from that challenge, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's a testament to, well, I mean, look at the awards and the accolades that you've been able to achieve, you know, um, keep keeping that honesty and integrity in the lyric writing. I think it's easy um, in country music to lean from that. 
Oh, totally. And I have done, you know, and I, I suppose in this market, the market's changed, you'll know that. And, and people are, they have no patience now when they're listening to music, you've got to grab them straight away. It's um, fast food mentality, but for music, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you, you've got to write those commercial radio friendly um, songs that are still hard to write. You know, it's, it's got to, got to be clever enough, but not too clever. It's got to have the right uh, tempo. It's got to have the right feel. Um, so, and I love doing those too. You know, I've always been writing commercially. When I write a song, I have somebody in the back of my head thinking who could, who could sing this. So it's not just for myself, but you know, I want to someday somewhere down the line have some of these American artists singing my songs. So there has to be that to it. But when you do step back and, and you come forward with that, that real personal song, whether it be about heartbreak or about a father or about the relationship you're in or or where you live, those generally are the ones that go down better in live performances because they feel and believe you more when you're singing those songs. Yeah. Um, but there is a place like you talked about it, the, the kind of the more twee songs that you got to get out there just to it's going to be picked up by people and streaming numbers that will hopefully get them to the songs that, that you really want them to hear. Um, so it's it's not it's not like it used to be where you put out two big singles and follow up an album. It's got to grab them with these singles all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is tough that way, isn't it? I think, yeah. um, especially when you're in a genre where it's it's not predominantly about one song. It's about this wonderful collection of music telling a, a story over over an hour's over hour's time you know and as you alluded to there you know people haven't got the attention span to um you know sit through that yeah you know? and it's so frustrating because you do have a lot of core people that will do that but in order to get it out there to get that in you have to kind of fire out these three-minute bangers and radio hits and things like that it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny, funny place to be. I think, yeah, but once you get your head around it like that, it's not too bad. Mm. It's like having your core, it's like a spider web, you got your core, and then you're mm. like Spidey Sand, you're like Spider Man, you're flinging out these webs just to grab a few more in and saying, hey, come with me. Once you're here, you'll enjoy it. Um, and that's all you can do. Uh, and, uh, you know, your streaming platforms out there are a necessary evil in, in many ways. Mm. They're, they, they kind of don't look after the, the independent artist as much maybe as they should. But by being on them, you've got your ticket to the lottery and it just takes one song. So, you know, it's 50-50 with that. So it's it's best to utilize it in the best way you possibly can. Some songs are going to fly, some won't. Some songs fly in a live performance that will never strike, never fly on a streaming platform. Um, yeah. So it's taking the rough with the smooth. Absolutely, man. Are you really aware of... Um like because i've been listening to a lot of your back catalog recently of course well because i enjoy it not not because <laughs> like oh i better do some research for gary coming on you know um there's a lot of very delicate instrumentation across your records even from the record you were putting out in 2013 are you very conscious of the attention to detail you're putting there or is it something that just kind of comes naturally with the genre um, I would say possibly back in 2013, I wouldn't have been a, as aware of it then. Um, heavily reliant on who I was using in Nashville to trust them with mm. the break they were given. And, um, I'm fully appreciating that they're in the mecca of country music. And who am I to tell them what sounds better than, than something else? And to be fair, Thomas Schutz, who done my first album, it's actually a German guy who is living out in Nashville now this many years and Grammy nominated now with different things he's doing. So, you know, he had a really keen ear for what he understood I was looking for in my sound. I'd given him a decent enough brief and it was trusting him and the guys that he used to, to come up with that. Um, and I think he, he done a superb job in helping me really launch my sound into to what I wanted to be. Very neo-trad kind of vibe, you know, like thinking early Chris Young, kind yeah. of Craig Campbell kind of vibe. Um, and over the years, just I've kind of developed my own sound along with how streaming has gone. And, and I would see Chris Young more as a 
the the artist I would model myself a little more on, who's still retain a lot of his neo trad stuff, but will put out more contemporary country pop um, undertones with his music. So yeah. I've been very mindful of that in the last couple of years and using a guy, Richard Alex in Sweden, a good friend of mine. And we have been very keen on getting that detail right. Um, again, a lot of trust in Richard to do that. But I'm more confident in my own sound and what I want it to feel like. And it has to sound country. Um, yeah. And so those little nuances of steel, or yeah. sometimes slide, or whether it be a bit of mando or, or banjo, just those are the little things I, as a country fan, will always pick up and think, I'm interested because that sounds country. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm in and I'll start listening to lyric. Whereas if it's coming up, if it's too pop or too rock, you know, there's an element that I could probably switch off. And I don't want that for my own fans. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's been a bit more detail in the last couple of years, but very fortunate in the in the formative years uh, and trusting the guys in Nashville. Yeah, that's great, man. There's something I wanted to ask you as well that... Um, have you thought about deep diving into like traditional Irish um, side of Irish country? Because funny enough, I have a bit of a tenuous link on this is that <laughs> I spent um, when I was uh, 13 to about 16, 17, I played bass in an Irish country band. Okay. And I cut, even though I was like Nirvana all the way, <laughs> you know, um, that was how I cut my teeth playing live. And, yeah. um, it was, you know, a bizarre, bizarre setup because you'd have all these amazing musicians and it was my brother's drum teacher that actually asked me to come and play. And I was like, I have no idea about this genre. How can I learn the songs? He goes, oh, you don't need to learn the songs. You just turn up and play. 13-year-old, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? You know, so you set up and start and he was like, yeah, this one's in key G, okay? Bang into it. And you were like, Irish Rover and all these things like yeah. that you know yeah. just watching what everyone's doing and then learning to play so i cut my teeth on, on a on a lot of that stuff uh -huh. you know so have you ever thought about trying to incorporate that like in there or do you want to keep them two as uh separate plates as it were um i, I mean I've, I've sat and thought about it and growing up uh, you know at all the family gatherings uh wild rover irish rover mm. all of that stuff was coming out you know um and obviously a lot of strong links between Ireland and America and, and how that formulation of the, the Nashville sound that we know yeah. will yeah. have that clone of the Scots when they went over and, and the Irish. But I think they are they are very two separate entities. Uh, but a friend of mine, Colin Kerwin, did try and put out Celtic country a few years ago. And there were some lovely elements of using some Irish instrumentation on a contemporary country sound. Um, and it, I felt it worked quite well, but it didn't seem to fly uh, maybe in the manner that he wanted. So there's been elements of that of maybe doing a track. If I were to write a song about home, I would yeah. definitely try and look at maybe, I love the sound of the Alien pipe. Oh, God, yeah. And getting that involved. Um, it's so distinctive, uh, isn't it? You know, yeah. as soon as you hear it, you go like, you know, exactly. you your ears up. So distinctive. And as a as an Irishman, when I hear that, you know, there is a sense of, it, this feels familiar, you know? So, um yeah, I've definitely looked at, at, at maybe doing that for a song. I wouldn't think I'd do it for a project, but um, definitely something that I, I've got maybe looking forward in the future, yeah. Yeah, that'd be wicked, man. Do you know what? It's interesting you say that. It got me thinking there. It's um, what what is an English instrument? Because obviously you, you have, um, you know, arguably you'd say like the sound of Nashville would be a banjo you know, or steel guitar. Um, obviously, you have the pipes and then you've got bagpipes for um, Scotland and stuff. What what would be the English thing? I'm just trying, trying to think, like, what is, what's the sound, sound of that, you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe go back in the medieval things there, maybe. What was the, a, what are the minstrels used to play? A loop yeah. Or something. Yeah. Something, yeah. 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 <laughs> Get that involved in some of your own country stuff whenever you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, bust into a bit of green sleeves or something in the middle of uh into the middle of a country song. Yeah, it's it's great to have those traditional elements, isn't it? Um I was I was speaking to uh, Amelia in fun enough the other week on an interview and talking a little bit about um being conscious of those instrumentational parts. Um, like you were saying. It is um it's a it is a hard thing to 
be conscious of certain instrument certain instruments being very particular for a genre so i you know if you're starting off writing which i assume you just write predominantly on a guitar yeah you know are you then thinking hang on a minute it's, i've got to have a i've got to have a gap for some extra instrumentation very rarely very yeah. rarely if it's a more up-tempoed maybe hockey tonk kind of groove that i'm looking at a bluesy number um i like letting that space free up for instrumentation because it can really allow a talented person to come in and, and do their thing um but you no know, generally i'm just, i'm so lyric orientated and melody orientated that that that's the focal point and whatever has to come in around that is there to support that you know um i think sometimes in, in pop you know production takes the lead and it's more about the sounds that are sampled in sometimes that make the song over the actual lyric so uh very rarely i would sit back and think no we need to leave that space because i can hear a steel or whatever later on as we're doing production i can start to hear those um instruments there might be a certain note or a frequency of a note that makes me think actually steel would work well there or piano or strings or something but that that i'm really led by the producer and that whenever they're laying down what, what they're doing um so no, I'm definitely just uh, the song for me has to lead, and it has to lead the way. You know, it, it you know, songwriting could be quite formulaic, and you you can really try and force things. Yeah, because you think, well, every other song that I'm hearing on Hot Country at the moment has a pre-chorus and a half verse and all the rest of it, and you can get stuck in that. But when you step back from it, you can actually revert back to four minute song and the song wins there it might not make it to radio but you have to be honest to the song yeah man i love that one of my favorite artists um canadian rock guy um ian thornley one of his um uh quotes that i paraphrase all the time especially when i was lecturing at university i was saying you know the biggest ego in the room must be the song oh yeah and when you say it to people they're like oh of course yeah it's not about finding the right track beat <laughs> you know, be like, yeah, yeah, you know, you gotta what you're saying, how you're saying it. You know, those things are so so important. And it's um and coming back to the last couple of songs you put out, they you know, that really, really comes across that the most important thing is what you're saying, how you're saying it. And again, testament to some of the credit that you got there, you know. Yeah, that's, that. I think that's why. It, really connects again it's that great great honesty and the storytelling you know it's it's fantastic stuff man thank Maybe you will that continue please fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is um other stuff that you're involved with that again blows my mind and stuff which is why i love talking to people like yourself is that not only are you writing for yourself you've alluded to as well that you you write for other people and with other people but also you've got your hand in deep rooted into the country scene in the UK with two festivals that you've co-founded. Yeah. <laughs> not one, two. Yeah. yeah. Not easy stuff, dude. How, how stressful is that setting those up? Yeah. Glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I, I suppose I never sat down and thought this is, this is what I'm going to do. You kind of fall into things in this industry, I feel. Um, yeah, definitely. And sometimes that is because, not arrogantly, but you think, well, I can maybe do something better here. Or you f think there's a need uh, and you, you you think that you can you can fill that need. Mm. Um, Buckland Boots was something, I, I, I've been um, playing at a festival in Belfast called Belfast Nashville Songwriters Festival for a couple of years. Mm. And that's going back maybe 10 12 years now and that was always deep-seated in the back of my head but never knew how to go about doing it um but fell in with the, the Hancock family in Comstall and I played one of their festivals it was an indie festival uh indie Manchester scene fell in love with the venue um got talking with Carl and you know eight months later Buckland Boots was born because I felt at that time 
was on the crest of a wave. And in truth, I was probably going to hold back another year, but Carl was very ambitious and, and thankfully so, and pushed forward and said, look, we're going to do this, let's do it now. Um, and it was an expansion maybe of the pop-up stages seen in London at C2C. Mm. Um, and I personally felt, look, I want another platform to sing on. So there's a selfish element to it. Uh, but also all my colleagues that I've been running into up and down the country who feel there wasn't enough going on. Mm. Um, and so that was just a need that we tried to fill and it's, it's grown every year. And we try to introduce as many new acts as we can, both from states or Canada or Australia and here in the UK. Um, and it's a blast. You know, it it's not hard work. Um, you know, and a lot of the physical work, you know, the Hancocks are great at up at the farm. Um, it can just be a little tedious trying to get everything, all your ducks in a row. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, I am yeah. a close man, but only to a certain point, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just grown over the years and it's fantastic to be a part of and uh, thoroughly enjoy it and, and love the reactions of some of the artists that we get on, people have never heard of. And we're helping guys in Nashville who we you know have a lot of time for. And we think of people who have had their first UK play in the UK, um, so Fillmore. Uh, Morgan Evans, yeah. you know, had a first play. And so we, we want to be that festival. We want to be, oh, I seen them first at Buckland Boots. Yeah. Uh, could we go and get Morgan Evans here now? Probably not. That's C2C's domain now and stuff. So it's, yeah, we're very kind of still grassroots orientated, whether that's here or, or across the, the Atlantic. It doesn't matter. We just need it to be good. We just want it to be good. Yeah. Again, testament to that. You know, the lineup this year mental <laughs> everyone's going nuts over it too it's great it's it was like when when it got announced the other day i just opened my phone and it was just like <laughs> it was all, it was all over the place it was great you know some fantastic yeah. arts you got on it yeah there's and we've we've pushed the boat a little maybe this year again and going the likes of austin jenks um who who i've known for a while now um we met in Nashville a couple of times, met at the Opry backstage, weirdly. I was there with, um, I think I was there with Steve Warren at the time and bumped into each other in the corridor, but we were going to be seeing each other in Berlin because we were both doing C2C out there. So it's just keeping that relationship going and, and, and telling him, look, I will have an opportunity for you, but it might not be straight away. Mm. And, and thankfully we got got that lined up and we were able to, um, to get him on board this year. Everett. You know, they played the long road, they played C2C, they've got a great UK fan base already. So for have them to come and play us um, was really good at that, and that they wanted to as well. You know, it's it's, it's kudos, I suppose, to ourselves that these guys want to come and play. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's some, some great acts on there. Josh Shatterfield coming over from Australia. You know, maybe a lot of people wouldn't have heard of him, but he's going to come over and kill it. Um so yeah, I'm excited for for that element of putting brand new people up there yeah. and see the reaction goes for them. Aaron Goodwin from Canada. I mean, the guy's incredible and huge over in Canada. There'll be a few know him over here, but he's just so excited and keen to, to play the UK, you know. Um, and I love all that. There's an industrious part to those artists. Yeah. You know, they're, they're coming to work they're, they're, and work hard at it and come back. They're, We've had one or two that just want to jump on the bandwagon, get a meal ticket, come in and yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. These guys, we're very studious about that. We're very careful about who we try to get involved, that they're going to come, obviously do the, do a great show, but we want them out front meeting everybody. You know, we want everybody that comes along to Buckland Boost to have a VIP experience without having to pay a VIP ticket. Yeah, 100%. It yeah. should be like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's our ethos on it. Um, and then thankfully, everyone, Pretty much 99% of who we've got overdo that. Um, and I, I know our attendees appreciate that off the artists. Yeah. Do you think more artists should be doing that stuff? Across, I mean, this is that's a blanket question across all genres. Do you think that there's... Um, you think more genres are arrogant than more than others? Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know if, it, know if it's about a genre. The genre of country music, I think, is very wholesome anyway and very inclusive. And um, certainly here in the UK, it's, it's coming around a bit better in, in, in America. But what I mean by inclusivity is that they, they'll they welcome you and say, look, what have you got? And it's up to you. But if you step out of lane, by the way, you're out. And I think that's a, that's a life lesson, is it not? That's, yeah. you know, that's, what, that's what it takes my kids. 
So that's what I like about country. But I generally think down to that whole experience of going and meeting people and, and not being a diva, I think that's just down to being who you are as a person. Mm. You know, and and some are better geared up to go out and meet people and be I'm a social guy. I really enjoy it. Um there's others that need to work on it just because they know they want to, but they they find it hard. Those that feel they're owed it and can sit backstage do all that more power to them, you know, off you go. But it it does be noticed by by bookers, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's uh just I, I wouldn't lecture anybody on it. You know, it just it, it works for me to go out and meet people. I find it more beneficial. Um I feel I feel someone are, is going to become more of a fan if they feel you're a friend. Um, and that's not going out and pretending. You know, I'll take everybody as they are. Um, happy to chat to anybody. It helps shift a few CDs and present as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, man. Absolutely. I think this, that's, I think that's why um, I'm predominantly drawn to rock and rock metal and um, country and things because the community factor is very um it's very wholesome it is very it does feel like a family you know you'll get people that will uh if you get an artist over who's doing a you know four or five date run in the uk a lot of people will go to all, all the shows and you yeah. travel around with everyone and do that it's wonderful to finally feel that that's here in the uk for country music because I think when it really started boom, booming up and maybe even 10 years ago, it was this real fickle, had a bit of a an, a weird ego about it, I think. But now, I mean, I was talking again the other day with Emilia Kruno about this. It's I think since about 2017, 2018, to me, it feels like it's found its feet in the UK and people understand it for what it really is. And I think that's helped with getting artists from all over the world, you know, to just sit here in the UK and share stories and uh, get in with the the feeling and that, that kind of feeling like a part of um big community and big family with it, you know. Oh. It, it has that thing of like, you know, you see it in, in the States all the time where, you know, big barbecues and everyone's like having a good time type of thing. I think it really does feel like we've got that in the UK now. I mean, there's definitely been growth. I've been doing this for a while now, not say how long, like, but I was doing it before she was <laughs> So doing country when country wasn't cool. Um, <laughs> but C2C has been a massive thing. You know, the CMA taking a punt with, with C2C and the O2 has been huge and we need it to continue. Um, Nashville, the TV show, came around at the same time, made country a little cooler. And, you know, the, the expansion of a lot more 24-7 country stations. Um, so all of that in the mix. Plus, people have been listening to country without realising they've been listening to country for a long time. Yes. Ronan Keaton was putting out country songs and people probably never knew. <laughs> yeah, Westlake, yeah, same thing. For ages. Like Fred Adam years now. was doing country. And people didn't realize, you know, so it's that what is crossover now, they would say, has been around, but more people are confident in saying they like country now and they're dropping the stereotype maybe of what was going around in the 80s and 70s. So it's um, it's definitely up and it's great to see it explode in the way it has done. We're hopefully need to be very careful just about that. We don't get to the crest of the wave and have a straight drop just after we did with Dolly and Kenny. Um, and that's the onus is on everyone there. So the onus is on the promoters to put on good shows. The onus is on the artist to deliver uh, and and commit. Uh, and the onus is on the fans to go out and support. So we all still have to do this collectively. Uh, and we all have an important role to play in it. The radios have to continue to support. Um, and so whilst we're on the upward trajectory, it's always still a bit fragile probably until we do have a better foundation, but but I think there's still some ways to go. Um, I just generally think we're all important to that equally. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has the defining answer on it, but if we can all collectively pull in the same direction as we have been, 
Then definitely, I mean, we'll not be far off tailgate parties at football games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a couple of NFL um, games popping over in the UK now. I think it's like five or six that they do now. That's right. So, yeah, I think it's just the right I'm time sorry. of the year in the UK for it to happen. I might start one up at the next uh, Old Trafford game, see how far I get. Yeah, yeah, do it. And while you're there, oh, I just happen to have my guitar with me uh, and my merch stall. Yeah, Uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I think country music is one of the few genres, especially in the UK, that seems like it's got a good future. Yeah. It feels that way as well. Like I was saying, with the sense of community and how. from a lot of the artists that I know and, you know, people like yourself and other people who are kind of now the mainstays in the UK uh, country and Americana scene, really looking after it, not abusing it and making it about themselves. It's It really is thinking of the bigger picture and like you're saying, you know, hope you don't want to drop off of it, you know, which rock has all the time. Rock music is this, it's horrendous that way. People are always like, rock's dead. And then they're like, no, it's not, it's, it's here. And, it, you know, and it has this weird argument that seems to be going on for the whole the breadth of time. You know, is it dead? Is it alive? What's going on with it? Um, I think neither actually happens. I think it just still, you know, powers through. But with country, it seems that it's got such a, a great foundation with community that, 10, 15 years time, it's still going to be thriving the way it does, in my opinion, anyway, I think. You know, it definitely has the potential, absolutely. Um, and I'll I'll want to see that happen and I'll continue to help do my little tiny part in it, whatever it might be. But I, I suppose the fragility that I see in it, um, and it's not to be a pessimist, with so many uh, US artists coming over, and we've seen a little of this last May, I think there was something like eight or nine A-list Americans touring in one month. And I don't know if the fan base is there to support that level of shows. Yeah, <laughs> And it's not that they don't want to, it's that they maybe can't afford to. Uh, and so the last, price is nuts. Yeah, the last thing you'd want, and I think something like, there was a point where Maren Morris and Darius Rucker were playing at the same time somewhere. There was two big guys cares playing at the same time in in cities you know and so you're going to split your audience so the last thing you want is for artists to go away thinking they weren't selling out because the country's going on its way out mm-hmm. they might simply not be selling out because there's too much going on and and that's was that's just a little fragility about it but, but it's great to see that they're willing to come and commit and do um and it, it'd be nice if it was just to spread a little more out through through the year. What you're generally seeing is, look, festival season in America is massive. They can make a lot of money. Makes sense to be there. Totally. So we'll see them springtime coming over here and uh, autumn time. Uh, where does the UK act fit into that? You know, because you're not going to compete with Aston McBride. Um, so it's, it's trying to navigate that. Yeah. But look, the, and the onus is on us as UK artists to be good enough to go out and compete with that. But look, us, I'm not, I'm not crying about that at all. I'm just thinking of fans. You know, you got the long road, uh, you got C to C, um, Black Deer, mm-hmm. with some feel. Got, got ourselves. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. So we've just been mindful of how, how many acts are coming over because if, if the market was flooded next year, nobody could go to anything. Yeah. Do they recognize the market's flooded or do they think we're not going back because it's not supported? That not not that it's a fear, it's probably just something I'm wary of, you know. Um but can we can we navigate this little plateau? So we've we've definitely risen and maybe plateau a little. You don't want to fall, you want to keep going. And it's credit to the bigger festivals out there and, and anybody taking a chance on country. Yeah. That's what's gonna keep it alive. And we're seeing more pop up um Club nights around the UK, which are giving the UK act a great opportunity. You know, I just done one in Belfast at the start of the year. Um, I think I seen one coming up in Colchester. You know that because we we don't really have anywhere to go if there's not something on. You know, so it's great to see that happening a lot more. You've got um, promotional companies down in London doing their thing. Uh, we try and put our dance on it throughout the year. 
So definitely looks good, uh, but it, it all comes back to this collective spirit of promoter, artist, radio, and fans all doing it together and, and supporting it as much as we possibly can. Um, and at that end, you know, there's no reason why we can't continue to thrive. Yeah, man. Yeah, well said on that. It's, um, yeah, it's it's interesting that I think from maybe from the US point of view, like as you were saying there, where people are booking a lot of artists at the same time, I think it's one of those things where you go like, Christ, they're on the end of the phone. Yeah, get them booked in there. You know, <laughs> get them booked in there. And then all of a sudden you're left with this, hang on a minute, there's like 10 artists coming over the space of six weeks, you know. And they're charging and they're charging American money. You know, you're talking a hundred pound, hundred and fifty pound a ticket. You know, we just did um um on Riffyard, you know, people can go and check it out. You know, there's uh always got a plug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've just done a big a talk about um venues and stuff taking money from Mars on the merch side of things and also this thing with like Ticketmaster and everything like that. And those things are not helping the uh you know the scenario what whatsoever however like you said there is a due diligence isn't there for artists to kind of help fight those those things and also look after the community and i think if if any if any genre is going to have that it's definitely going to be you know country and, and americana side of things there yeah um, yeah I, I, look um uh, when i'm out in nashville all I'm peppered with is, man, how do you get me out to the UK and play? Really? You know, they, they all want to come and play. Um, and Ireland as well. So, and that's great. But it's understanding, you know, probably not, not everyone's going to make money when they come over. Yeah. Uh, you take Brad Paisley, Derek Bentley. They were coming here 12 years ago playing to 100 people in London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but they committed to keep coming back, and then they can go and and do their their bigger venue tours when they come back on, on their own. So, but, but that takes time. Um. So it's like I say, it's just a commitment from everybody and a realism. Just had a conversation with some uh, booking agents yesterday, even about that. You know, I understand what you can get in America. There's no doubt in that. That doesn't mean you get it here in the UK. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but it's, it's just a little bit of, of realism to that. Um, and, and and those that really want to commit to touring Europe and having a presence here understand that straight away. And there will be some that definitely come over and they lose change whenever they go back. Um, but you'll see the, you'll see those guys coming back yearly, five years, to, to, to make it work. Yeah, I think that's the... Um, it's not getting upset with what's in front of you as an as an artist with my artist head on now it's it's tough to see those things because you you put a lot into it take the gamble and one of the first things you are going to do as an artist because it is a business and all the other things about it you're going to go oh what was the trade-off on it but then you have to look at okay well um look at the look at the streaming numbers social media numbers the interaction from fans from now that we've come back here or whatever has gone up so if they're if they're willing to make those extra steps there's something there so it's then to go back and nurture it and like you said you know christ brad paisley's been coming over for donkey's years yeah you know like <laughs> mega arenas and then playing you know the the ferret in radiator or in Leicester or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so it is, but, but those guys are the real deal. Of course they are, you know, that goes without saying. Um, and God, God damn it. Every time I see Brad Paisley play guitar, it just makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> guys a monster, you know, but um, yeah, they, they put the time in and they know the long game. Yeah. You know, they know that the uh, the the prize at the end of the tunnel, or whatever you, um, cliche you want to say with that, is is there. So you want to see those people reap the rewards of that, because as those people break through, they open up the door for the the grassroots, especially in the UK. Got an, an immense flood of amazing grassroots artists in the UK at the moment. 
yeah um who are doing some great stuff you know and they're real try and they're trying really hard not like they're trying hard but you know they're really giving it the time they're really trying to you know pay their dues with it you know um, absolutely is it hard to kind of get that balance right when you're booking a festival and the mag well two festivals in that magnitude of stuff um i suppose what i found hard at the very beginning was if, if i were to book a festival of artists i just want to hear then that's a gary quinn festival for gary quinn yeah. and that's that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea um it's getting the balance right between who's going to get up there and perform and deliver and, and be a festival artist. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily somebody I would sit and listen to. And on the flip side, someone who I really admire and want to give the shot to can't get a headline slot because they're not going to be the the performer. You know, it's, it, they're not going to be the show person kind of thing you know so it's getting that balance right and Carl Hancock's been very good with me and Laura with that um you know on, on identifying who needs to go where sometimes and, and scheduling um but I think between the, the three of us we, we come up with a pretty good schedule and, and getting the the right increment through the the evening to the crescendo at the end um so that yeah that has been difficult and people are always going to be disappointed when they don't get a chance or a slot um and I, I've been in the same position, and it, it's it's part of what goes on. And you can take it personally, and I have done in the past. Um, but it's not it's not about personal. It's about, and it's not even about being bad. People always say I'm not good enough. And it's not it's not even about that. It's just if we go on with this artist, it's we feel that's what's going to work there, and it's that's subjective, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's it's never about good and bad. Uh, obviously, there's a threshold of quality that we have to be careful about. Um, so yeah, the the hardest part of it is saying no. Yeah, you know, you come into this and and you try to start stuff like this off because you want to give people opportunities, and that's great. But you spend most of your time maybe hurting people or letting them down because they're not getting the shot that they they want. Um, and that, yeah, so that's that's sometimes difficult. But like I say, it's nothing personal. Um, and I, I know with myself, and I've been doing it long enough now that when I've when I've had that rejection, it's part it's part of the game. Yeah. But it, I use that rejection as like never doing that again, or it's right. I'm going to do this, and I wouldn't want anybody to change who they are or what, anything about their artistic nature. But it's just channel it to work harder. You know, that's that's all I would do, and that's all I've done. It's yeah. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't even know if there is right or wrong in music anymore. Because yeah, so, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's also subjective, you know. Um, yeah. We can only do what we feel is the best that we're doing. Absolutely, man. Well, again, the, the lineup is it's top notch, mate. You know, yeah. it's great. Well, you thank you. Managed to really cover that his arts from around the world, and also check out this fresh new i hate the word talent but you know this grassroots artists that we're gonna nurture and look after and if you spend the time on these guys hopefully you know they'll be doing things around the world equally it's, a great, it's a great thing to have man you know yeah well i mean uh, kezia gill is a great example you know we'll give kezia a shot on like uh, noon on the main stage crowd loved her brought her back give her a better slot more of the crowd loved her give her headline slot smashed it um and she has gone on now to smash the uk <laughs> you know oh god she's yeah she's just killing it she's like, and, and amazing and like so ambitious and driven and, and so talented like and so we're a small part of that we and she she acknowledges that which is lovely um jade you know again giving her better opportunities uh, but we can't we can't keep repeating the same artists in the same slots all the time and that's that can be difficult as well and saying no to friends like um but you know amelia quinn who you had on you mentioned again done well first in country in the clyde give her another good shot at, at buckland boots this year a young lad called luke fleer um giving him a shot there matt hodges has been doing great there's a wonderful array of, of uk talent out there 
But I'll tell you the biggest thing I'm excited about bringing over this year is the songwriter round from Nashville. Oh, wicked. You know, these guys have written for, well, two of them are very close to Ashley McBride and write in her camp and have a couple of number ones with her. Um, Dave Vincent Williams, number one with Frasca Flats. So we've really raised our game and trying to bring that songwriter around on the Friday evening, making that a real event on its own. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and getting those guys out there. Yeah, we need more of that in the UK. Yeah. We need we we need more people to take do songwriter rounds in the UK. It's just it's, if anyone who has never been to one or if they're not familiar with what they are, it is brilliant. It's it's just shame it doesn't really convert to different genres. I'm sure you could have like a, a riffing round for rock or metal or something like that. Like, right, what you got, you know, and then what, what you got next? And it's well, great to have that. You're onto something there. Maybe we should do uh in the riff or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's totally do it. Yeah, well, I'm well up for that. Or riffing the round, you never know. Something like that would be good. Take it to another genre. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something in that. Right. I've copyrighted it now, so if you're launching it, give me a shout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have fifty uh, percent, dude. Don't worry, I'll cut you in. Cut you in fairly, my friend. Um, Gary, how? What have you got planned apart from this chaos of festivals and things like that? What have you got planned for your own music for the rest of the year, or are you keeping stem on that? Um, I have some new music there that's ready to go. Just kind of uncertain on when we're gonna. Gonna let that land. Um, at the moment, just focusing on, on getting a few dates through through the summer myself. Uh, obviously, Buckman Boots will be coming up. Uh, I head back to Northern Ireland for a couple of dates with Lisa McHugh now uh, next week. So that'll be really interesting. I've not done a lot back home, so I'm excited to get back there and do a few things. That's great. Um, and just prior to Buckland Boots with some of the guys I've got coming over and. Jeremy McComb and Aaron Goodwin, we're going to do a run of dates in Northern Ireland, doing that rock songwriter round that we just talked about. Awesome. So, going to do that. They're loving it because they've never been to Ireland before, so that's going to be really exciting. Then, I go out to June with the band for a festival out there in Denmark. Um, and then just kind of focusing in and writing new material as much as, as much as I can. I'm writing a lot more with people who are just starting out here in the UK, so Mickey Evans has some brand new music coming out real soon and has a headline EP launch show in Birmingham, I think on the 22nd of July. So we've done her EP. Um, then I'm writing with and working with Luke Fleer a fair bit too. Um, Lisa T. So yeah, just trying to write with as many people now as possible. I wasn't doing that as much maybe in the last couple of years. So I find that really exciting. Yeah, actually, just a quick thing about that. Um in other genres, I think co-writing and um, collaboration is almost seen as a bit, a bit of a dirty word. Yeah. And I love, and I, I hate that. I hate the fact that it has that because in the rock world, like I try and collaborate with people all the time and write for other people. And the mo one of the most common thing that happens is they're like, oh, dude, this is great. It's great. Can't wait to get it out. But we're not going to tell anyone. I'm like, Okay, that's wicked. I totally understand it, but I, I need more work too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But in in the country world, it is it's celebrated. It's the complete opposite. It's celebrated. It's like I wrote this song with so and so, and I'm going to perform it for you tonight. You know, like watching old Glenn Campbell stuff. One of the great thrills of that, you know, was uh, um, my buddy so and so wrote this song and everyone's like yeah and he's like and i'm gonna perform it for you tonight with him come out let's have a go and you're like whoa that's nuts you know like country ha having that like celebratory thing about that is is amazing it's it's such a shame it doesn't translate to other genres genres as much it, you know you get pop artists going or oh, it's ghost writers and it's fake they're not doing it by themselves which i just think is such a stupid comment you know um well it's i i see it as like two heads are better than one three heads are better than two but maybe five heads is too much <laughs> like, yeah um, too many chefs yeah it's I, I know when in writing solo there are moments that i it's hard to bounce off yourself and ask those challenging questions to 
shape the idea in the, in the way that you want it to. And sometimes it takes somebody different to see it differently or say, why don't we do this? Um, and it makes it a better song nine times out of 10. The, the easiest word and the most important word in a co-write though is no, you know, and if you're not feeling it, then you don't go down that road. Yeah. You know, there can be difficult co-writes if you're feeling you have to force something on somebody or they're forcing something on you because that should never happen. Mm. You either feel it or you don't. Um, so, but I mean, I would say all, pretty much all my co-writes that I've had have, have been enjoyable experiences. Can't speak for them, but they have been for me. <laughs> mm. And and we've generally come up with really good stuff. So it's good to, to have somebody there to challenge you on what you think is a good idea. Because mm. if they don't, then you have to make it better. You know, that that's how I see it. Um, I I would say maybe around the UK and in the past, I think there's been a lot of laziness sometimes. And, uh, you know, and I'd prefer to sit and, and rewrite a little more. Um, so, and that just comes with time and, and patience, I suppose. Not every song written has to be produced, you know, um, mm -hmm. but every song can help you write a better song. Um, of course, yeah. It's just so, yeah. important to write bad songs as it is good songs, in my opinion. Totally. So, just yeah, I'm excited about what's coming up with those guys I'm, I'm working with, and and hopefully some you know if they can go and have tons of success, I'll be in the background saying yeah, you know I helped write that. <laughs> come here, come write more songs with me. <laughs> well, wh where can people catch you on social media, Gary? So I'm just simply Gary Quinn Music on all the social media handles. Great, great, and uh, guys, make sure if you if you haven't checked out. Um, he's my dad it is just you know if riffyard were bigger we were doing we were going to be doing like you know songs of the year and stuff and that without a shadow of a doubt would have been my contender for it because it's just absolutely fabulous song you know it's amazing first time i heard it i was like oh christ you know this is catching me catching then, me God. You know, job, if it makes one people or one person feel like that i'm happy absolutely thank you it's absolutely fabulous dude well gary thank you so much for your time buddy and um i really appreciate it best of luck with the festivals man hope they're not too much stressful and uh we'll see you soon dude yeah listen if you want to come if you are coming up let me know we'll, we'll sort you out dude oh that'd be fantastic thanks buddy i really appreciate that no worries right guys take it easy and we'll see you soon